When something happens to your car, you might say, But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado. Y esa es mi mala fortuna. Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo, llega Univision, el gallo de oro. Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte a quien ella quiera. Estás tardando en conquistarla. Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa. Este gallo está cambiando la vida. En una historia legendaria de amor y azar. No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr. El gallo de oro, lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision. Crimes, presented by Euphoria. Today they should have presented the results of the second autopsy, but they couldn't do it. And do you know why? No, please, Turco, don't say anything. The hearts of the two victims, they disappeared. They were stolen. I can't believe it. But how can that be? Is what you're telling us official? What do we have? Nothing good. We have been analyzing with my team the report of Dr. Lagans and Dr. Graziano. And in conclusion, we are going to need something more concrete. What do you mean? That without the bodies, I can't do anything. I'm going to need you to exhume them. Mr. Burgess, Bias, tell him what you've just told me. Come on, tell him. I went to get the samples from the morgue at the Vicente Lopez Hospital. I brought them here, and as I had to wait to register them, I sat in the sun for a while and fell asleep. When I woke up, I went to look for them, and then I ran into him and told me that he had thrown them away and we went running to the garbage to rescue them. Please tell me this is all a lie. And the hearts? That's true. They were eaten by the dogs. The ones rooting around in the garbage. Okay, that's it. Loggins, issue a report for negligence to all the laboratory personnel and suspect these two employees and their entire chain of command indefinitely. Benitez, call Deputy Inspector Castillo urgently. Have the bodies of the victims exhumed right away. I want Raffo to have them in his lab tonight. This ends today. Benitez, I need you to confirm something for me. Yeah, tell me, doctor. The bathroom, the bathtub. They had cleaned it, right? Yeah, of course. It was a team of firefighters. They cleaned and disinfected everything. And the tub was emptied? Absolutely. I was just in the bathroom. And the bathtub is full of cadaverous fauna. Euphoria presents Paranormal Crimes. Where reason meets its limits. Season 1, The Mystery of the Cousins. An original series by Euphoria Podcast. Warning, the following story is based on a true case with dramatic scenes created from the events and exclusive statements of its protagonists. Some of the identities and situations have been changed. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, we recommend you do so first and then come back so you don't miss any details. And always remember to listen until the last breath. Episode seven of eight. The Spider Trap. It's night and the rain doesn't let up, turning the precarious cemetery far from the city into a swamp. 
Sub-Inspector Castillo and Lucio, Casal's secretary, cross the unlit blocks of the cemetery on their way to where Irma and Claudia are buried. Ahead of them are the police doctor and a gravedigger, the latter of whom marks the way with the faint circle of light from his flashlight. The group advances between modest tombstones, sloshing along dirt paths, their feet muddy up to their ankles. Section B, block three, grave 75 and 77. The gravedigger's lantern points to two humble headstones that read Irma Giron and Claudia Fernandez. Proceed. The gravedigger holds out his flashlight to the police doctor for him to take it and begins to dig. In another part of town, at the door of the cousin's house, Judge Casal is waiting under an eave for the arrival of Commissioner Benitez and his team. Victorello, the owner of the property, approaches with his pajamas and a coat on. The judge had some questions to ask him. Would you like me to bring you a coat or something warm to drink? No, thanks. The things you must see, right? This is what you're used to. No. Not like this. You know what I wanted to ask you, Victorello? Did you or your wife hear strange noises during these days in the house? No. The only comment was from Susanna, the woman across the street there, that she had seen someone run out of the hallway. But uh, that was the day we found the bodies. Yeah, I know about that night. But these days, you haven't seen anyone. No one. Four police cars pull up in front of the property on Mellow Street, their lights dying the entire block blue. Commissioner Benitez gets out of one of them and gives the order to close down the street. From the houses, some doors and windows open, and the neighbors watch, wondering now what's happened. History repeats itself. It seems to close a sinister circle. Good evening. Good evening. Who again? Up to the top of everything. Uh, it could be that with this rain, the sewer overflowed? No, that's never happened. Even if it had overflowed and it was only water, it would be logical, but this is cadaverous fauna. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. A private car pulls up next to the patrol cars and the police medical examiner and forensic photographer get out and go to meet Benitez and Casal. Good evening. Thank you for coming. We're all here, Doctor. Okay, follow me. In the smoke-filled living room of his apartment, Turco smokes as he fires off letters on a sheet of paper, shaping his own story. Strange human sacrifice. May herself. The spirit that possessed her confessed the power of some entities to intervene in matter and break it down. Hello? Turco? What are you doing, Ruiz? Something wrong? On the one hand, I like you and I want to help you. And on the other hand, I want to light it all on fire and give up. If it can help me, I'll pay for the fire extinguisher. What's new? I'd recommend that if you have time, you take a tour of the cousin's house. Now? I would say as soon as you can. Lucio walks across a muddy road to the main road of the cemetery, the only paved street in the cemetery. There's the ambulance in motion, with the driver leaning out the window, waiting for the bodies. You have to come this way. Impossible. Look at all that mud. If I put the ambulance in there, we'll never get out of it again. I can't bring them here. There are two of them and they're 500 meters away. I can't do anything, buddy. I can lend you some plastic to cover them. Lucio, with the plastic blankets under his arm, returns among the tombstones, cursing the mud, the rain, and everyone involved in the case of the cousins. He arrives with Castillo and the forensic doctor, who illuminate and protect the gravedigger with their umbrellas to continue digging resignedly. Can't go this far, right? No. 
too much mud. We're gonna have to carry them to the ambulance. I expected as much. Castillo takes a deep breath and nods. Like his shoes, he senses that everything surrounding this case is permeated with a cursed, stinking sludge. You can take this one out. With precise movements, the gravedigger finishes removing the mud from the sides of the grave to reveal the handles of the coffin that hides Irma's body. Come on, all at once. Lucio and Castillo spread one of the plastic blankets covering the coffin. And with the help of the police doctor and the gravedigger, they grab the handles and try to pull it out. The mud and the rain make the task difficult. Come on, come on. The crate seems to be clinging to the earth, as if hundreds of hands are keeping it from being carried away. You two go from that end. Do we, do we grab it from here? Yes. I got it. Okay, ready. On three. The four men, soaking wet, arrange themselves around each corner of the coffin. One, two, three, now. Between the four of them, they carry the coffin to the ambulance, slipping in the mud and dodging forgotten headstones like a sad and frustrated funeral procession. For his part, Judge Casal leads another procession down the flooded corridor towards the cousin's apartment. He's followed by Benitez, the expert, the photographer, and Victorello, who warns. Look, there's no light in the house. We cut it off and took out all the bulbs. Don't worry, we've got flashlights. In complete silence, they enter the house and walk stealthily, as if fearful of awakening something lurking in the gloom. I opened all the windows, but the smell won't go away. Commissioner Benitez can't believe he's back in the same place where it all began, except that now everything is empty. The absence seems to be palpable. This way. Casal precedes them to the bathroom door, but before he opens it, he stops. I need you to take pictures of everything. Got it. Trying to avoid any dramatic gestures, Casal opens the door, and in the bathtub, the water almost overflows, covered by a filthy crust of cadaverous fauna. Benitez doesn't understand. I saw when they cleaned it, and I saw it empty. This is, this is not possible. Doctor? Yes. I'm going to need you to take a sample for immediate analysis. Understood. Commissioner. Benitez. What? I need you to send the sample to Flores. He will be waiting for it. Yeah, I, I'll take care of it. Benitez can't get over his astonishment. He saw the bathtub 10 days ago, empty and clean. He remembers the relief of seeing the white of the enamel again, as if erasing the atrocious image of the corpses. Holding his breath and nausea, he leans over the tub and looks at the faucet in detail. On the edge of the pipe, suspended, there's a drop of water, refracting the light of the flashlight. He looks at it for a long time, but the drop seems to be made of glass. It doesn't move. It doesn't swell. It doesn't fall. It's impossible that this tiny drip has filled the tub in only 10 days. Commissioner, could you shine the light over here? Yeah, yeah, of course. With great delicacy, the coroner approaches the tub and collects samples of the water and the cadaveric fauna in several test tubes. Casal goes out into the hallway. Benitez leaves the flashlight with coroner and goes after the judge. Doctor, that bathtub didn't feel itself. It doesn't leak. I mean, I was here 10 days ago. At what time did the health service technicians arrive? Before midnight. Okay, all right. Doctor, this is not normal. I saw it completely empty. I know. When we started all this, do you remember the same hallway? I asked you if you were a believer. Do you remember? Yes, of course. Yeah, I know. And you told me that you believed in evidence. That's right. Okay, Doctor. But when there is no evidence, and what do you believe, huh? I try to trust my instinct, but I recognize that this time it's not working. You know what I think? I think there is a black hand behind this. A 
Cassell's trying to harm you. What are you saying, Benitez? Cassell turns and heads down the hallway, trying to leave behind the suspicion that the commissioner has just stuck in the back of his head like a thorn. Benitez is right behind him. Come on, doctor. Think about it. It wouldn't be a novelty for someone to obstruct a case in order to discredit a judge. Are you sure that you don't have anyone who wants to bring you down? Who wants your, your position? Who, 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 who wants to discredit you? Please, Benitez, don't complicate the situation any further. I'm serious. I mean, is it normal to temper with all the samples? Is it normal for the hearts to disappear? Is it normal for a top to appear full again? Come on, doctor. Does, does any of this seems normal to you? No, not at all, but to think that someone is doing it to bother me, it doesn't make any sense to me. There isn't anything normal about this damn case, Judge. Please open your eyes. I'd recommend that you get a hold of your anxiety a little and that you try to speed up the transfer of the samples to the morgue commissioner. Yes, doctor. And if you feel that you're emotionally unfit to continue your work, I ask you to inform me and I will immediately remove you from the case. No, sir. There will be no need of that, sir. Won't happen again, sir. I apologize. Benitez returns to the cousin's apartment to get the sample for Flores to test. Casal is left alone, dodging the rain under the small eave of the adjoining property. Although he doesn't recognize it, he was thinking the same thing. What black hand is behind all this? Who could be interested in complicating the plot more and more? Meters from the corner, a taxi pulls up. And from the back seat, Torco is surprised at the police deployment of patrol cars cutting through the street. This? What's all this? What happened now? Meanwhile, in the cemetery, Castillo, Lucio, the police doctor, and the gravedigger walk through the mud carrying the second coffin, Claudius. With each step, the mud seems to want to hold them back, protesting that their treasures have been taken from them. They finally reach the main street of the cemetery, where the ambulance is waiting for them under one of the few streetlights. Uh, careful. Slowly. Lift it up. There she goes. Ready. Do you know where you have to take these? Yes, to the police morning. Okay, we'll follow you. The police doctor gets into the ambulance with the driver, while Lucio and Castillo travel in the deputy inspector's private car. Again, the corpses will cross the city in an absurd parade that seems to repeat itself endlessly. At the door of the property on Mellow Street, Benitez holds the walkie-talkie and hands the samples to a policeman who leaves for the florist morgue. Then, the commissioner approaches Casal, who is sheltering under an overhang. Samples for the morgue are out, Doctor. And Castillo and Lucio are on the way to Rafa's. Okay, thank you. And, uh, I'm sorry if I spoke roughly to you, Benitez. Uh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I understand the pressure you're under. Bodies are going to the morgue, the coroner is analyzing the cataract fauna, the bathtub is full again. We're worse than when we started. Doesn't make any sense. We need to know if the neighbors saw or heard anything these days. Okay, I'll put together a crew first thing tomorrow morning. Tomorrow? Now, Commissioner. Yes, sir. A few yards away, on the corner, Torco is walking down the sidewalk, pretending to be distracted, trying to avoid the policeman guarding the intersection. Sir! Excuse me, sir! Sir! What? What? You can't go through there, sir. Oh, um, uh, I, I live on the other block. Uh, all right, but go walk across the street and don't stop. Sure. Um, what happened? A plumbing problem. Nothing serious. Continue home, please. Sure, thank you. Torco thanks with a gesture and leaves. He walks down the sidewalk opposite the cousin's house, trying to stay in the shadows. He watches the officers split up to start ringing the doorbells of the neighbors. When he reaches the hallway of the house, he sees Judge Casal, dazed, impatient, looking at his watch, waiting for something. He knows he can't stop 
and walked slowly, trying not to draw attention to himself. Unexpectedly, however, Casal's gaze fixes on him, and he recognizes him. The judge's face is completely transformed. Like a hurricane, he leaves the house, and in the rain, walks straight towards Turco. Hey, Hassan, I wanted to see you. What are you doing here? I didn't do anything. What's wrong? It just so happens that I'm beginning to wonder if you're not behind all of this. What? What are you talking about? Do you know that you can go to jail for breaking the secrecy of summary proceedings? But I don't know what you're talking about. And if I add the fact that you were at the scene of the crime without authorization, I could put you in jail as an accomplice for 20 years. Did you know that? Dr. Judge Casal, meeting number seven. I went to the house that I had sealed and that was guarded by the police. I returned to the house with my secretary, who had the function of guarding this piece of furniture, and I saw that the bathtub was full again, full as if it had been that day, and it also had cadaveric fauna. It contained not only water, but also cadaveric fauna. This was what shocked me, the journalist and my secretary, because we had left the bathtub, removed the bodies, and the place had been cleaned. Well, another mystery, because really, to come back 15 days later and find this issue in this situation, it certainly grabbed my attention. We'll be right back with more Paranormal Crimes. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de $25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado Y esa es mi mala fortuna Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo Llega Univision El gallo de oro Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte A quien ella quiera Estás tardando en conquistarla Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa Este gallo me está cambiando la vida En una historia legendaria de amor y azar No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr El gallo de oro Lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. At the entrance counter of the morgue of the forensic medicine department, Lucio hands over the exhumed bodies to Dr. Ibarra and Dr. Ortiz, part of Rafo's forensic team, people accustomed to working strange hours. We proceed to deliver the coffins together with the vials labeled one and two containing the hands of the corpses to Dr. Viviana Ibarra. That's right. Sign here. While Lucio completes the paperwork, Deputy Inspector Castillo directs the unloading of the caskets. Slowly, slowly. Watch out for the jars. The bodies enter the morgue again to suffer the indignity of their third autopsy. Maybe this time they'll finally break and agree to reveal some secret. Meanwhile, on Mellow Street, Judge Cassell berates Torco for crossing some boundaries. You know that with what you said on the radio about the theft of the hearts, you were handing out classified information and you can go to prison for three years, right? Doctor, please. Everyone knows. The editor of the newspaper lives in an egg tour. It's negligent of you to give erroneous and unconfirmed information, which speaks of your lousy professionalism. But it speaks worse of you as a person. You're a big guy. What are you doing this nonsense for? Don't you realize that you're complicating things for me? How are you going to go on the air and say that they stole the hearts? Are you crazy? The truth is that, uh, that I'm going crazy. Since it started, it's, it's been crazy. First the decomposition, then the black mama, then, then, then the theft of the hearts. What madness is this? How can I not go crazy? It's true that now I've, I've, I've gone a little too far, but how can I not? The hearts are disappearing, and I still don't know why I'm here. A state water company van pulls up outside the front door. A group of technicians begin to unload their tools to begin work. From the court, right? What? 
the information. They pass it to you from my court. No, no, the other people. Other people, yeah. Officer. Sir. This person has to stay here. Me? Don't let him on the property or leave until I say so. At your service. I hope you have nothing to do with this. The judge comes out to meet the technicians and, oblivious to the rain, introduces himself. Turco asks the police officer. What does he mean by this? I guess he's talking about the full bathtub. What do you mean, full? It appeared to be filled to the brim with cadaverous fauna. Turco thinks that the story begins again. Meanwhile, in the morgue of the forensic medicine department, the bodies in their coffins crossed the corridors on their way to Dr. Raffo's laboratory. A large, dark car with tinted windows pulls into the parking lot. A young morgue employee runs up to it in the rain and opens an umbrella next to the opening door. A middle-aged man gets out of the car with an impeccable coat, his hair combed backwards revealing a wide forehead and a serene look. It's Osvaldo Raffo the most renowned forensic expert in the country. Raffo enters the dissection room where his team is waiting for him. Good evening. Good evening, doctor. You didn't have to come. Let's begin, please. Well, I'll start by opening the first coffin. I'll start recording. Start, please. It's a wooden coffin, dark in color with lighter stains on its surface and remains of black soil, intact in a good state of preservation with 10 silver metal handles and a plaque that says Irma Duron. Careful. I'll help you. I'll help him. Continue recording. On three. One, two, three. <laughs> Once the wooden lid is opened, the metal lid should be open, leaving the body in the ventral decubitus position. The body is found in a qualitative period of cadaveric decomposition. Once the corpse is removed from the coffin and on the dissection table, we proceed to x-ray. On Mellow Street, some technicians from the water company finish setting up tripods in the courtyard with powerful spotlights so they can analyze the sewer manhole. Others are doing the same in the bathroom of the apartment to be able to carry out the tests and determine how the bathtub filled up again. In the shadows of the dining room, Casala waits for the analysis to begin. Benitez arrives from the street and approaches the judge. Flores has already received the samples. Great. How soon do you have the results? In an hour, he'll call us. Let's get started. If you want to come and see. The bathroom isn't very big. In order for the judge to enter, the technicians have to move one of the floodlights. The heat from the fixture seems to have rekindled the stench of the bathtub, which looks ghostly defined in the harsh light. Well, in the presence of the judge, I will proceed to make contact with the material in order to discover if there is any obstruction. The technician, wearing thick rubber gloves, dips a steel rod into the infectious water. He plunges it into the drain until he feels it has hit bottom. Carefully, he tries to find the drain, but to no avail. He stops, turns, and looks for something in his toolbox. Casal grows impatient. Can I help you in any way? No, I need another tool. The technician stands up, but as he tries to leave, he's prevented from doing so by Casal's presence, obstructing the passage of the narrow bathroom. Uh, excuse me, please. Trying to make room, the judge grabs one of the spotlights and pulls it out of the room. The only way he can get out and allow the technician to leave. The judge puts the spotlight in the same place where the cousins had left the heater. Is it going to take long? No, I'll be right back. I left it in the van. The technician leaves cursing under his breath. His bad mood is understandable. No one told him what he had to face. I'm Dr. Flores, and I'm starting a new examination on the cadaveric fauna. In the lab at Vicente Lopez Hospital, Coroner Flores is preparing to analyze the new sample that has just arrived. Hmm. 
When are you two going to rest? Let's see. What do we have now? Material received. Closed test tube with a label that reads samples from inside a bathtub. I'm proceeding with a syringe to take a sample. It is a liquid with a cloudy aspect. <laughs> Nauseating smell and solid organic remains of animal and vegetable origin, as well as larvae, which will be analyzed by means of a binocular magnifying glass. Flores takes the flask where he preserves the original sample of the cadaveric fauna to compare with the new one. Meanwhile, Ratho and his team begin the third dissection on the bodies of the cousins. I'm proceeding with a new thoracic opening, three centimeters from the original opening. Come in. Excuse me, this came from the court. Ortiz, all yours. I'll take it, thank you. Good evening. Let's see what they said. Psychographic expertise, Mamba Negra report authored by Barrio Canal, criminal complaint for tampering with judicial samples, declaration of the loss of the hearts. Basically, this case is a disaster from day one. Do you want me to check it out, doctor? Not now, Ibarra. Thank you. Let's continue with this. As Benitez's agents continue to ask doorbell after doorbell, Good evening, ma'am. Did you hear any noise or see anything strange these days? The commissioner approaches Turco, who is waiting patiently, smoking, guarded by the officer. Well, well, well. What a coincidence to see you here. What? Do you have any relatives in the area, son? If it were up to me, I'd be sleeping. Gasal asked me to stay. How are you going to come out and say they stole the hearts? <laughs> you know what? You're selling rotten fish, my friend. Come on, Commissioner. And how many cases of the hearts disappeared? Look, I can tell this to you because telling it to Casal doesn't make sense, but I have a source in the church who told me about the theft of some hearts a few days ago in Catamarca, and it could be related. Benita stares at Torco, saying nothing. He can't figure out if Torco is crazy or if he has the key that can unravel the secret of the case. At that moment, in the bathroom, Casal, Impatient, can't stand the wait and goes out into the street. He passes abruptly near Benitez and Turco to scold the technician who is looking for his tool. Can you hurry up, please? I am doing what I can. Then you can do it faster. Casal walks back towards the house and stops in front of Turco and Benitez. What is it? Um, he's telling me about a recent hot robbery in Catamarca. A few days ago, someone stole the heart of a saint from a cathedral. Oh, really? And how did we not find out? I found out through a contact I have. It was on the inside of the church. They want to keep it a secret. I don't see it as such a coincidence. But at the same time, they steal hearts of the cousins. Nobody stole any hearts. Nobody. They were thrown away by mistake. It's already been proven. What do you want to invent, Hassan? Don't you realize you're lost? Why don't you go back to writing about cops and nothing else, which you used to do so well? You know what I think, Casal? That you're telling it to yourself. You know better than anyone that we're trapped in this case. The commissioner, you, me. You think I don't want to walk away? Twice, but I keep coming back. We're trapped in a giant spider's web, and there's something waiting for the right moment to devour us. We're the prey in this case, Judge. We are the prey. A car pulls up to the curb. And as Turco begins to thank the interruption, he sees Ruiz, his informant from the courts, get out of the car. Dr. Casal, Commissioner. Evening, Ruiz. What's up, Ruiz? What's new? I just delivered a copy of the whole file to Raffo's lab. Well, thank you. Was Raffo already there? Yes, they were all already there working. Ruiz looks absently at Turco, who barely looks back. Good evening. Good evening. The judge hasn't gotten where he is because of a lack of intuition. Well, thank you, Ruiz. Do you know each other? No, no, no. No, I haven't had the pleasure. Ruiz? Turco, Hassan. Hassan the journalist? Yes. I can't believe you. I used to read you when I was a kid. Ah, uh, you don't read me anymore? 
<laughs> I don't have time. Too much work. Well, excuse me. Luis walks away to his rickety car and retreats inside to fill out paperwork. He seems nice. So you don't know each other, huh? Look at that. The water company technician returns from his truck with several tools and enters the hallway. Casal prepares to follow him, but before he leaves, Turco reminds him. Judge, we're all caught in the same web. Without opening his mouth, Casal returns inside the house to the spider trap. He plunges down the hallway toward the apartment and feels himself to be traveling straight into the mouth of his predator. As he passes through the courtyard, he sees the cesspool that the technicians are studying as if it were the entrails of a dead beast. Casal continues into the apartment and enters the bathroom. There, the technician is bent over the tub, dipping a long metal rod. He manages to get several inches into the pipe without too much effort, maneuvering carefully, until something jams him up. Here, I have something. Let's see. Go ahead. Making a surgical effort, he manages to unblock the pipe, and slowly, the bathtub begins to drain. The cadaverous fauna descends, escaping down the drain like a wounded animal fleeing towards the river. We'll be right back with more paranormal crimes. Dicen que traigo la suerte a todo el que está a mi lado. Y esa es mi mala fortuna. Basada en el clásico de Juan Rulfo, llega Univision, el gallo de oro. Supongamos que la caponera puede inclinar la suerte a quien ella quiera. ¿Estás tardando en conquistarla? Con Lucero, José Ron y Plutarco Asa. Este gallo está cambiando la vida. En una historia legendaria de amor y azar. No trates de cambiarme, no lo vas a lograr. El gallo de oro, lunes a viernes a las 9 por Univision. Let's continue with more paranormal crimes. Lucio and Sub-Inspector Castillo once again cross the city in the rain, this time from south to north. They're already exhausted, but the night promises to last forever. They're on their way to the cousin's house where the new mystery awaits them. Through the car speakers, the radio reminds them that they're in the same place as where they started. It is still considered the most hallucinating case that has occurred in the country. It was discovered when the police, alerted by the neighbors, entered the apartment of Mellow Street 3354 in the suburb of Florida. It was the Sunday of April of 89 when they found two dead women inside the bathtub. Lucio is about to change stations, but Castillo, with a gesture, asks him to leave it. They were cousins. Irma Giron and Claudia Fernandez. She was 22 years old, the other 15. For the forensic experts, the decomposition of the bodies of both clearly indicated that the deaths had occurred at least 30 days before. And there arose a mystery that to this day remains impenetrable. Three days earlier, both had been seen by neighbors in perfect health. The questions accumulated. But the great unknown was still what had accelerated the decomposition of the bodies. They finally make it to the cousin's house and park their car as best as they can between the patrol cars, the court cars, and the water company vans. At the door of the apartment, they meet Benitez and Turco. How did it work out? Tricky, I would say. How's it going here? They're still checking the sewers and the bathroom pipes. Nothing new for now? Nothing. It could be an appointee. Benitez, Lucio, and Castillo look at Turco without understanding. The journalist feels forced to explain himself. An appointee is a parapsychological phenomenon. Very studied. It is the material. Lucio and Castillo keep looking at Turco as if he were speaking in an unknown language. Without consulting each other, they agree to ignore him. materializes in one place and appears in another. Where's Casal? He's in. Okay, I'll go find him. Castillo, if you're not too tired, can you get the reports from the crew and check if any neighbors saw or heard anything? Did you need me to go to the Flores Morgue for the results? No need. Romero stayed there. Got it. 
In the morgue, Coroner Flores takes off his glasses and rubs his eyes, exhausted from trying to focus on the samples in his microscope. Putting them back on, he continues with the analysis of the new sample. Silently, Romero waits several meters away. <clears throat> uh, according to the external morphological characteristics of the sample, it contains metamorphic stages of uh, dipterans that could correspond to the first colonization of the corpse. Eggs that hatch between several hours or three or four days, depending on um, temperature and biotic factors. Therefore, uh, the presence of these eggs may indicate a time of death varying from four to uh, 30 days. Um, hmm. I'll proceed to compare it with the first sample. Meanwhile, in Rafa's lab, his entire team is working against the clock, dissecting both the corpses and the previous autopsy reports. Rafa analyzes the situation with some confusion. You don't look convinced, Doctor. What's going on? There is one piece of information that is missing. Something doesn't add up. If the women were in the bathtub for 48 hours, even if they had urinated in it, which would accelerate the process, there is no way they could have decomposed in this way. Unless a high temperature was generated in the bathroom, an extreme tropicalization, maybe if the heater had been on inside, but no. Yeah, and I've already asked the weather service for a report of all those days, but uh, it just doesn't add up. Okay, but in order to reach that state of decomposition, there must have been a higher temperature than what we have on record. Let's continue. At the door of Mellow Street, Commissioner Benitez is still waiting with Turco, who has resigned himself to judge Casal's fate. Castillo approaches them. I've already talked to all the agents. None of the neighbors saw anything strange in the last few days. Hmm. We can then rule out that someone has entered. I didn't know they were considering that possibility. And you think we left you here for nothing? Come on, Hassan. You're a first suspect in the list of making a circus out of this. A radio call from a patrol car saves Turco from Benitez's irritation. They look for the commissioner and transfer the radio call to his walkie-talkie. Benitez here. Commissioner, this is Romero. I'm connecting you with Dr. Flores. Commissioner, I have the results. Okay, I'm listening. Benitez takes a few steps away. It is indeed cadaveric fauna, and uh, the sample coincides with the one from the first day. It must be regrowth of the same. It is identical. Benitez walks down the long hallway and enters the house, where he finds Judge Casal and Lucio by the mouth of the sewer manhole. One of the technicians comes out from inside. So, what do we have? There is no blockage. The problem didn't come from here. It has to be from the toilet. Well, another road closes. Commissioner. Dr. Flores spoke. Sample matches the one on the first day. They're identical. But I don't understand. Let's see, come here. Lucio and Benitez follow the judge to the bathroom. There, Casal again moves the spotlight outside to be able to open the door, enters, and watches the technician maneuver his tools in the now empty tub. Lucio and Benitez wait in the dining room. Your colleague tells me that there is no obstruction outside. Well, yeah, but we found something here. The technician extends a piece of gauze enclosing a lump. He subtly unfolds it revealing bits of an amorphous, yellowish, almost lifelike substance. A grease plug had formed and clocked the drain deep inside, about three feet from the pipe, and the drip filled the tub again. Fat? Yeah, human fat from the corpse. It must have come off when the skin was cut open. So that explains why there's cadaveric fauna again, huh? Yes, sir. When it overflowed the first time, there could have been some fauna left in the blockage and in the drain. And when it filled up again, it found an ideal breeding ground. So the fat plug caused the blockage? No doubt, sir. Well, okay, take everything apart and make the report. Cassell runs the searchlight back outside. 
He leaves the apartment, escorted by Lucio and Benitez, whom he orders to lift the police coverage, reopen the street, and close the obstruction report. Casal now thinks that only Rafo can give him the missing answer. They cross the long corridor, reach the street, and the judge passes in front of Turco and the officer who is guarding him. Officer, you can let the journalist go now. Casal heads for his car, and Turco is right behind. Casal, I... I want to apologize. I, I, I know I shouldn't have talked about the hearts on the radio. It's, it's true. It's worse to have broken into the crime scene, Hassan. But who told you that I came into the house? You're not the only one who couldn't sleep that night. When you were leaving, I was just arriving. See? Even if you won't admit it, you and I think alike. Neither of us can close the case on either side. Assuming that the theft of the hearts is solved, that there are no traces of snake venom, what about the decay of the bodies? It's impossible that they turned into that in just two days. There's no way that much heat can be generated inside the bathroom, especially without having the heater inside. It's really impossible for the conditions. Something explodes in Casal's mind. An image forms in the midst of so many facts and contradictions. He remembers himself, just moments ago, running the tripod of the spotlight to get out of the bathroom. Of course. That's right, Turco. Benitez! Benitez! Casal runs to where the commissioner is standing, disarming the display. What's it? Are the men you brought today the same ones who were here on the first day? Uh, yeah, almost everyone. Get everybody together in the apartment right now. Yes, sir. Benitez rushes to carry out the order. Soon, a dozen police officers huddle outside the bathroom door, illuminated by the water company's floodlights. Casal, accompanied by Benitez, Castillo, and Lucio, appears to review them. Good evening, agents, officers. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, Judge. Good evening. I have to ask you a question, and I need each of you to remember as best you can the first day when we came to check the scene. What did you do when we came in? Where everything was? Did you move anything around? The men mutter under their breath, confer with each other trying to remember every step taken, every object of those who are gone today. I want to ask you specifically. There was a heater. When I arrived, I saw it here next to the door in the dining room. Did anybody move it from its original place? Do you remember something? No, I don't need one of mine. A heater? I don't know. I remember it. I don't know. It's true. The heater was inside. We took it out in order to get in, sir. Are you sure of what you're saying? Yes. First it was inside, and then I saw it outside. Castillo, do you remember any of this? I went in first, but I don't remember. Maybe those who came in behind me moved it. Romero, this is very important. Are you sure of what you're saying? Now that I'm thinking about it... Yes, I'm sure. When I came in, the heater was inside. Someone took it out. Lucio? Inform Raffo about this right now. Casal leaves the apartment, followed by Lucio. As he passes in front of Turco, he gives him a gesture of thanks, which the journalist answers with a shrug. Benitez also leaves, followed by all his men. Only the technicians of the water company remain, closing the mouth of the well, cleaning the bathtub, and turning off the floodlights. Everyone leaves the house in the street, except Turco who, as the last spectator, remains watching the stage of the play in which he played a strange role being dismantled. It is late when Judge Cassell finally arrives home. Everyone's asleep. Exhausted, he takes off his silk suit, sits down in the living room with a plate of food left for him by his wife, and turns on the TV. He's not surprised that the cousin's case is all over the news. One of the girls had a boyfriend who worked in a serpentarium. That's right. Supposedly, they had been injected with snake poison. There are already people Casal doesn't know investigating the issue. News peddlers, story makers. Yes, of course. Um, so how come no traces of the injection were found? Since the process of decomposition is immediate, all traces disappear, and there is no trace left in the organism of this type of poison. And who hired you on this mysterious case? Look, 
For reasons of confidentiality, I, I can't tell you. Slowly, the judge drifts off to the monotonous murmur of the TV and falls asleep on the couch. Raul. 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 Huh? What is it? Telephone. Okay, thanks. I'll get it. Hello? Dr. Kazal, this is Dr. Raffle. Oh, Dr. Raffle, yeah, this is Kazal speaking. Tell me. Sorry about the time. Please, it's all right. It's fine. As I always say, corpses talk. And I'm listening. Well, um, it's, uh... Yes? We have the results. This has been Paranormal Crimes, where reason meets its limits. Season 1, The Mystery of the Cousins. Scenes from the next episode. Perception is subjective, selective, and temporary. Therefore, so is reality. We all react differently to the same stimulus. Where we see this most is with mysteries that we can't understand. Inexplicable events that the perception of each individual reinterprets and seeks answers to or justifies. <laughs> Looks like it's all over today, doesn't it? From your lips to God's ears. What do you think, Benitez? What kind of conclusions will Rafa reach? Uh, look, Lucio, with all the twists and turns we had, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up with yet another surprise. Gentlemen, ladies, please, one by one. What do you hope the autopsy will reveal? The truth. Nothing more, nothing less. Without a doubt, the mystery of the cousins is the most extraordinary case of Argentinian criminology of the last century. Unlike other cases from the beginning, this story is presented as a labyrinth. Paranormal Crimes, produced by Plataforma Sound Stories. Original production for Euphoria Podcast, presented by Euphoria. Lo mejor, lo más impactante, está por venir en... Tu vida es mi vida. De lunes a viernes a las 8 por Univision. 